They're taking cherubin pot-strewn strategically along the daily. Charter boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time looms. And in the front bar of a top-end pub... You reckon that chick's a fisher? I don't know. It's impossible to tell. Or is it? Check out the swagger. The easy confidence. The double plugger tan. Look at the faded hat. That skin has been sunburnt, covered in mozzie repellent, fish blood and pilly slime. Yeah, for sure. I'll bet you ten bucks she's not. Excuse me? You a fish oh? Yeah! Get a mullet up ya! And, and you! More! Oh, hang on! What? Hey, hey, Tim, Tim! Get your bums in the boat and get on with it! G'day fishos and welcome to the Tinny for another week with Tim and Andy and a week when we just got to get this out of the way early because Andy's been fishing again and I'm led to believe you got some tuna so can we just get it out of the way? <laughs> okay, uh, yes it was epic, it was epic Tim. Yesterday out on, uh, out on the harbour, off Lee Point, you would have seen the tide was around two metre low so there were only three other boats out there mm. and we caught nothing all morning those boats raced back to the boat ramp to make that um make the tide before the, the low to get their boats out so you were there on, an, on the outgoing so i was there on the outgoing uh by myself and i'll tell you exactly where fish shows um 2.72 nautical miles off the hospital mm -hmm. and nothing happened <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. What, what did I ask? Nothing happened for, for most of the day. But I didn't leave because the bait on the sounder was phenomenal. I have never seen... I thought at one point the screen on my new sounder had like broken it. and it was just showing big clumps of yellow and mm. it didn't, didn't know how to do purple or blue. Mm. But it was just bait. So I thought, it's got to happen, it's got to happen, it's got to happen. And funnily enough, it happened in the last hour of the run out mm. before the dead low. Mm. It went nuts. Perseverance, mate. Nuts. It went nuts. And one school stayed up for about 25 minutes. I would have dropped I would have dropped at least 12, as in hooked up and then hooks, pull or whatever. That ended up landing three big long tail and two big Mac tuners. So I went home with five tuna and uh, a busted rod. You know sometimes, and I'm getting a bit excited now just retelling this, you know in the excitement of the moment, mm -hmm. especially when it's all happening and you, it hasn't happened for a decade like that, my fine motor skills just went yeah, the to custard. <laughs> I actually dropped the net, not once, but three times. I dropped the net in the water and had to lean over and get it whilst holding the fish on. And then I had a shark up one of the bums of one of the tuners. And then I went to net it and then I busted a rod. I'm not... And then I blew two eyelets and I was just like... I mean, I, we sort of, we train, don't we? <laughs> we, we train for these we, events. We are athletes, we're and great, we do train. We're great casting a million times at the same snag. But in the, but in the grand final, mate, when the pressure's on. When the pressure's on. It, it just shows you are a man of the people. You are a man of the church. Oh. You, are no, you are no different, and you are no better. No. You're, you're just like the rest of us, mate. We, yeah. we cannot even hold a rod when it's really on. 
Anyway, it was, uh, it was fantastic. And, and to, to, to those other couple of fellas out there, we had a good chat out there in the water too. And they said the same thing. You know, if they could have stayed, they would have. But wow. Good feeling too to um, stick through it, to trust the sounder, to trust trust what you know. And it, it, um, it came on. Yeah, it is. Well done. Um, a quick point of order though. It is common, Andy, for fishers to have a, an item of clothing we kind of favour on the boat. You know, sometimes we even go so far as to endow it with um, a certain power, a, a fish-attracting power, if mm. you will. Mm. But it's come to light since your tuna session that you had one such item, um, one that showed its power to you. That you have this item doesn't surprise me, of course, that you have a, an item that gives you fish powers. I was a teensy bit surprised when I found out that it was a dress. Oh, I sent that photo to Beard confidentially. Well, I'm, there's nothing confidential <laughs> at Tinny HQ. Right. Okay. So it's not a dress. It's, a, uh, it's, it's called an Iwhaitanga, which is a Samoan piece of, oh, of, of attire. This is, be, this is you and the Samoan chief it's thing. My, it's my traditional wear. That's right. So it's, you may also know that fish shows as a, a sarong or a lava lava, some of the other Pacific countries. So it's basically a lava lava. It's got Samoa written all over it, and I just did something different yesterday, Tim. I just you wore I put you, it on, you, you, and that's all I had on, just that, and then I just moted out, and I said, "Today, I am going to catch fish." And you, and that you did, so it did have power. But Beard, uh, who was the recipient, as you mentioned, of the euphoric selfie you sent from the boat, bare-chested and clad in your dress, mm. as he fairly reliably does, and we've noted before. He honed in on one particular aspect of the photo, one potentially m- more shocking than the dress itself. Andy, do you realise your bare torso resembles the face of former Prime Minister John Howard? I'm seeing two huge caterpillar-like eyebrows of chest hair over two mean little nipple eyes. <laughs> the likeness is incredible and awful. <laughs> Don't seize this, however, as an occasion to wheel out your John Howard impression. Just don't do it. Anyway, weird. <laughs> what? 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 Th- thoughts? Yeah, I'll give him a thought. What's weird is that Beard's got the time to make those um, pointless to see John Howard in l- your chest little hair. grabs, and and that is what's weird is the fact that he saw John Howard in your chest. On my chest. That's. Uh, move, let's. Should we move this on? That is. That's wow. I know. Okay. I know. It's disturbing, <laughs> isn't it? So let's move it on. Let's move on to the show. Uh, pretty soon you'll hear about a good old spooling on the tinny and what happens when you when your boat goes under at the mouth of Buff Creek on an incoming tide. One of the mates says, "Mate, it's supposed to be that low in the water." I looked behind, and uh, by the time I try, tried to react, and the water just came in and the boat tipped over, and under I went. Yeah, it's a freaky story that one, and one worth listening to is a bit of a, a bit of a, uh, a bit of a note. Uh, we'll also take you down the fitness and look at how that's been fishing lately. All that and uh, heaps more as usual, uh, including a, a more fulsome analysis. We might put the pick up of, um, of the man's chest hair that looks like John Howard. So much to look forward to on the tinny. We realised we were just surrounded by boofing barramundi. Chaos ensued. Where's the boogers? Where's the plies? It's my net. Get over me. Get under me. Hang on, mine's out the back. It was nuts. Well, his name is Rowan. They call him Paddles, or at least we do, Andy. 
even though he's probably got a 200 horsepower donk on his boat, and to actually paddle it, you'd, you'd need 100 Vikings <laughs> or 200 horses mm. all paddling. At once. Like 200 horses paddling. That, yeah. Anyway, the point is he's here, right here in the rank COVID den, and he's been fishing. It's paddles from top end uh, barra fishing. How are you, man? Good, mate. How are you going? Well, well, but I suppose we should get the bad news out of the way first. You have been fishing, but been hitting the guts um, by the near South Wales closure. A lot of people probably don't realise the impact that has on a lot of our top-end guides, right? Yeah, 100%, Timmy. We've uh, pretty much torn up all of August, um, which were big extended tours. So it hurts pretty hard. Um, picking up a few scraps at the moment, a few day trips here and there, but um, certainly not the month it was going to be. And what do they do, um, paddles? Do they cancel or do they delay? That must be a logistical nightmare as well, with oh, the, all the unknowns. It's terrible, mate. It's really hard. Um, within our cancellation policies, we try to reschedule, but, you know, it's pretty difficult with airlines cancelling all the time as well. So pretty much if we can't reschedule, we refund. Yeah, yeah. How, how much do you lose? Oh, a lot of money, Timmy, yeah. Oh, how many days, I mean, oh, that, I just lost, from that cancellation? August, I've lost uh, probably 20 days. Yeah, maybe more. And that applies to, to the other guides who you were doing the charters with as well, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's not finished yet. We've got September with, you know, three big groups, um, groups of nine and 12 people. So three guides affected, well, two other guides plus me, yeah. Up, up until now, though, has the loss of the internationals from COVID... Was that being made up by how much people are travelling and how many people are coming to the north? Oh, 100%. Like in the last six months before this New South Wales one and the Vic one, things have been pretty good for you guys, haven't they? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's been awesome. It's been really good, uh, flat out. Um, actually, when we got that first uh, lockdown, the five days, I, I think I was the only person in Darwin who was excited about that because I needed <laughs> to break. break. I was yeah. naked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, but hard to plan for the ups and downs. Yeah, yeah, you can't plan for it, mate. Just got to deal with it. And um, we got through it last year. We'll get through it again, but it is hard. Mm. So the Finnis, mate, talk us through that trip. Yeah, the Finnis has been good on the neeps, mate. Uh, when it's clean in there, there's plenty, plenty of barra um, in the legal section of the river. It's the only section that I fish. Um, we're getting, you know, up to 30 hookups, dozen fish a session, no problem, legals. Um, all nice, clean saltwater fish too. So what... What sort of tide windows and movement do you need to have the clarity of the water? It's got to be small, mate. Small moving tides, all those neeps, but probably only four days a set where it's small enough. Um, Only because of the wind, you know, sou-easterlies blowing across the flats. It sucks that dirty water in as soon as the tides get a bit bigger. Two, three metres movement? Oh, less than if you can. Yeah, one and a half metres has been good in there for me. Even I fished there the other day with no movement at all. It was clean as any, clean as I've ever seen it. And we did we did well. Yeah. I know no run, no funds, normal to the core, but mm. I tell you, I'm just um, fishing different techniques in there that so, I have before. So with that real clear water and very little movement, is what? how does a bite window work in that? Or is it just one <laughs> big window? You know, half past six, we're fishing by 7.30 mm. and we're off the water by two. And again, a consistent bite through that whole period. It's not easy fishing. It's, you know, all casting into into the structure. The fish are hard up against the structure when it's not moving like that. Yeah, okay. Um, okay. So most days when I get home, I eat anywhere from six to eight bananas because I feel like a monkey. I've been in that many trees. But um, <laughs> yeah, it, it is rewarding if you get the cast in the right spot. Yeah. What, what, is, what is right spot then? Because that's not always easy to ask of your customers either who aren't yeah. always 
that 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 sweet on the cast and the precision. Yeah, well, that's the problem. You, you know, um, it's frustrating for me as a guide because I know where the fish are going to be. These people are on holidays, so you know you can't, you can't bark too <laughs> you much. Can't bark too much, mate. But generally, if if you're in a couple of feet of the, the leeward side of the snags, yeah, that's where they are. So I normally just go past and I'll side scan and we'll just back back and pepper that snag. Until we get get snagged on the snag and go in and spook all the fish out and move to the next spot. <laughs> yeah, that's, exact, that's exactly how <laughs> it happens. So, what are you using to get down to that snag and, like, ideally ride up on it and in it and under it um, quickly from a distance? Soft plastics, mate. I'm just using from quarter to three eighth of an ounce jig heads, ring and weedless, but I still manage to get a weedless snag every second cast. But um, yeah, it's just get that vertical sink. And then just slow, slow roll. No twitches, nothing. Just really slowly w- retrieve it. Just out of interest, are you running, what do you, you run thread lines or, or yeah, bait casters? Thread lines, thread right. lines yeah, yeah. Just 2,500 spin yeah. reels. Yeah. 20 okay. pound braid. Yep. Uh, I run 50 pound leader in there because there is big fish in there and you will get stitched up. Biggest was 72, I think, on the big day when we, when we hooked it, roughly 30 fish. Um, most of the fish have been legal. There is a lot of rats in that river as well. Um, but they're not mice like in Corroboree, they're rats, so they're, you know, 53s and 54s. So still fun for the punters. Yeah, and we're getting keepers, you know, they're getting, they're getting to take a feed home, um, we, if they want it, most people let them go because they don't have the ability to cook them anyway, so mm. it's good to let them swim away. And it'd be land of the chromie, wouldn't it, up there? Oh, beautiful fish, yeah. Danny, beautiful, yeah, really clean. Certainly the river is the healthiest, I've seen it in the... Oh, seven years I've been guiding up here. Yes, yeah, so it had a good flush out from that last wet season because you remember where people used to drive down to the mouth of the finish. That all got kind of yeah. covered with silt. You couldn't really access it, silt and mud. It's been flushed well, has it? Yeah, it has, mate. It's changed the entrance into the river system a bit as well, but it's um, probably easier than it ever has been to get in, I think. So to the land of the mice then. Yeah, they're all complaining about this uh, mice plague in New South Wales, but I think corroborate. <laughs> <laughs> they call, uh, I think, the New Highway the Velvet Highway. So we've got, yeah, there's, pl- there's plenty of small fish in there, which is a lot of fun as well. But um, yeah, there's the odd keeper in there too. Let's start um, paddles with the boat ramp. We've had a few reports of the boat ramp not being in the best condition. H- how did you find it? Yeah, government's supposed to be out there. A bit more news on this in a minute, but yes. government's supposed to have been out there to check it out and working on fixing it because oh. there's been a bit of damage. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's not in a good way at all. Um, you know, I've got a six and a half metre boat. My trailer bottoms out on the ramp. I've had to oh. jackknife off the ramp. That's the only way I can get on and off without <laughs> damage. So oh, right. I'm, uh, if you're facing the water, my advice, um, go to the all right. care and no responsibility is definitely go on the right yeah. and jackknife it off. If you've got a big boat, jackknife it off the ramp. And, and as I mentioned, a little more detail on this in a second, but... The push from Afant will be to just do it properly, proper two-laner that's bigger and longer so that big boats like yours, at, at charter guides and the big recos, can access it when the water level drops all the way through the dried. No doubt that would be something you'd support. Oh, need, just needs a bigger, longer ramp. 100%. You know, they're doing the road, so why not do the ramp? Mm. So do it properly, Tim, like Dundee. So just dump a heap of sand at the edge of a quarry boat ramp, so make a little sandbar. Just skull drag with three tractors to get in and out. Yeah. We'll just leave snatch straps permanently yeah, on the bank there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's how we do boat ramps in the top end. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you said you're getting a few keepers in amongst the the rats. Um, how'd you go on the last trip? Yeah, last trip we did well. We got five legals. Which, That's good going. Which is yeah. good for the billabong. I know yeah. people will laugh at that, but it's definitely, um, you know, along with another 15 or so 
smaller fish and plenty of Saratoga. So, you know, it's most spectacular place in, in my opinion of the territory, you know, it's a full experience in there. So to get in there, get some legal fish, have a good day. Mm. Uh, you know, it's a mm. My good trolling runs aren't trollable at the moment because the lily pads have moved out. So yep. I'm just casting the lilies, mate, with small rubbers. Are you really having to draw the fish out from the lilies? You, you find they're just, just hanging back or? Mate, they're in deep. Um, yep. But the problem is you fish weedless and you're struggling to get them hooked all the time. So I've, I've been yeah, a bit more frustrating being hooked up to the lily pads a lot because I'm only using small jig heads. Um, I'm, not, I'm not fishing weedless in there because you can generally get them out of lily pads with not too much drama. So um, And sure, surely that's a good excuse for when the guide, despite customers being on holidays, when the guide can genuinely shout at the clients to skull drag the living bejesus out of me. You, know, yeah. you hook up. You need to be shouted at to start lock drag skull dragging. Yeah, definitely. We're not fighting brim and flathead. No, we're not. Barra. We're not. We're, this yeah, is you, a different game and you're you deep in the lilies. You will rip that thing's head off and drag it out. Yeah, this, that's right. This is a battle. Yeah, if I swear at you, don't be offended. <laughs> yeah, just, just get skull the bloody fire. thing out of there. <laughs> uh, good fun. Uh. Uh, so what what's now then, mate? I mean, you you got a bit of time off. You're going to go fishing yourself, or just start keep hunting the half days? Last year I went back on the tools. I'm an auto electrician by trade, but don't ring me because oh. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> you don't want to be doing that again, <laughs> do you? So uh, yeah, we'll just play, take each day as it comes at the moment. Just have to see uh, how New South Wales gets out of this. Hopefully yeah. sooner rather than later. Yeah, totally. Mm. Oh, good on you, and thanks for popping in to spin us a few yarns um, on uh, on the Finnis and Karobi. Good to see you again, paddles. My pleasure, boys. From across the vast expanses of the wild and untamed top end, intrepid tinny correspondents risk rampage and ridicule from crewmates to bring you the truth. Incoming, incoming, incoming. It's late afternoon at the sand palms. Maybe I need a beer. Come down, Rock, you said. We'll have a great day. And we've been out mud crabbing and we've mm. had a great day, haven't we? I had an awesome day. But um, I just have to say, you know, coming home... And we're in a couple of boats and they're going, Rocky, what's this other boat ramp we keep going past? What's that boat ramp? Because really, we're not terribly familiar up here. We're, we're more Dundee people. Never been by no people. What happens is we get back and we think that we have got you onto something that's going to absolutely smash the Tourism NT website because it is just probably the next incredible product to come out of our beautiful territory. What do you reckon? Oh, look, I've got it planned. I'm going to go national, but... We actually were using the boat ramp on Barramundi Drive and I thought, why are we going all the way to Barramundi Drive? And the guy said, well, that's because that's the boat ramp, Rocky. And, and I said, yeah, but there's one, like, three and a half k's <laughs> down the road. <laughs> no, no, there's not a boat ramp there. Yeah, there, actually there is. So when we got back from mud crabbing, I said, right, get in the car, we're off. Go, what was it, uh, under four minutes? And we're at the boat ramp. As opposed days. to 29 minutes to go to the other one. And I, you know, I told yeah. you, I went black and blue, yes, there is a boat ramp. No, there's not. I said, yes, there is, because when I come home, I get my ice cream there and then I head home. That's what I do. I have an ice cream at the sand palms. That's what you do. So I reckon that you've found something, a niche in the market. It's a massive hole and you're going to fill it. Yeah. But it didn't stop there, though, because it was like, well, then there's another boat ramp in between the one that you're at and sand palms <laughs> called Dundee Road <laughs> Boat Ramp. That one... 
Let's just not digress that we found a hole in the tourist market. Brocky's boat ramp tours of um, places that the locals should have known about and didn't know about and are still trying to figure it out. <laughs> I, I, I think I'd better share with you, there's even a bigger, more sort of popular, more oh. controversial one yeah. um, that's even further down the road. Really? It's called Dundee Boat Ramp. Oh, right? yeah, of Dundee course. Beach. Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't go to the Dundee Beach no. Boat Ramp to go to Bina Harbour. Oh, yeah. I can't believe we didn't do it. Mm. My God. Yeah. We're on a winner here. You'll go gangbusters. You'll make money, a lot of money. Yeah, it's a good tip there, Andy. If you want to deny the existence of a boat ramp or, or even a fishing spot, I suppose, you just, well, deny it. You know there's a good spot at the mouth of Sampan, for example. No, there isn't. Yeah, there is. It's right there. It's no, at the mouth. It's really good. No, there isn't. You know, yes, yes, there is. No, it is there. It doesn't, it, doesn't it exist. It is there. No. Oh, I guess, I guess you're right. I'll just go to the Adelaide. So Andy, I've been thinking in your pitch to The Rock, you know, to get The Rock on the tinny. Yes, which is not going extremely well to date. But did you tell him that there's a fishing spot named after him? No. He he pretty much has to come. No, I didn't tell him that. That's a good point. We could erect a plaque. The Rock. This plaque was laid on the 13th day of the 8th month of the year 2021 by Dwayne The Rock Johnson, the pure personification of the hallowed mythic geological fishing wonder upon which this plaque sits. For a brief moment on this day, The Rock and The Rock were one. One. Big. Rock. Note, The Rock mentioned above, not to be confused with local fishing identity Rocky Edwards, a.k.a. Rock, a.k.a. the High Priestess, herself not daunting in physical proportions as per other Rock, but rather in fishing prowess. You know The Rock would wear a dress. I, I don't like it when we call it a dress, a Niafaitanga, the, or a uh, the, the Samoan or a lava chief lava. dress. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. I bet you The Rock... Go and tease him about wearing a dress, Tim. I bet you, well, I, would, I wouldn't tease him about his chest hair looking like John Howard, because he'd be perfectly shaved and very, very chiselled. He is. He's smooth as. Mm. Quick point of order from last week too, Andy. We heard the story of the land mammal Steph. Yes. First Dewey ever caught yep. in Shoal Bay. Mm. Didn't even know what it was. Mm. So her boyfriend heard that shout out on the pod last week. And thought it was remiss of us not to share the moment itself with the church, so send in the video. It was a bit unclear on whether she was even that happy about it either. Abby! So she wanted a big fish, but wasn't quite sure when she actually got that big a fish. Yeah. <laughs> Careful what you wish for. Yeah, that's right. Not by yourself. Nice one. Well done, Steph.
Uh, from Chris, a five metre plus big black croc attacked our boat at Bridge Lagoon yesterday, Arvo. Oh. It's been reported, but thought you guys should warn people. In fact, another one sitting here in the box as well, Tim. Another croc warning, this time from Peter. Mm. Um, g'day, boys. My mate and myself are out for a memorial fish last Sunday uh, up Shit Creek. That's the proper name in brackets. Uh, at East Arm. <laughs> they were having a quiet trawl up the, tr- up the creek and they noticed uh, a nice 2.5 to 3 metre croc just sort of sitting there and they got some mullet and then they went back to this rock bar, anchored up, um, cracked a few amber cans yes. and looked up to see what was going on uh, in the 12-foot punt only 500 metres from where they'd seen the croc. Mm. And there's these kids sitting on this punt with mm. their feet hanging over in the oh, yeah. water. Yeah. yeah. What can you say? Safety. Uh, don't, never we don't say that takes anymore, do we? A holiday. Thanks, we do. Uh, thanks, thanks, Pete. thanks to Pete and to Chris. Uh, a few community notices for you too, Fishos. Uh, at Durac, there's a community info session coming up on the Salvinia in the lakes there. You know, if you're one of the many who like a flick in the Durac lakes, oh, yeah. it's on at Saturday at half past eight. A local weed expert's there to answer questions because a lot of the Fishos kind of whinge a fair bit about the infestation of the, the weeds. They're going to talk you through why, how they do what they do, and how they get rid of it. That sounds interesting. Uh, East Arm, again, been some damage to some of the pontoons there. The government have taken a few sections out to fix them. Yep. Boat ramps still open and operational, even though they've moved a couple of sectors some, for repair. Some, some damage. We're not underplaying that, are we, Tim? Because the photo I saw on Facebook was effectively the pontoon floating away. Let's take this on the facts then from Andy Wharton. Uh, there is no pontoon. <laughs> no, I think it is, it's definitely usable. But all I'm saying is if like half your house floated away, would you say there's been some damage? Or would you say... It's a disaster. It's a disaster. Oh, yeah. Yeah. At Corroboree, uh, thanks to Tash Rammers, who put this on the agenda last week. We were talking about it earlier with Paddles. AFAN apparently raised this last year, Andy, but the government couldn't get their act together and were beaten by the wet oh, right. to do the repairs. Ah. So they've now scheduled some repairs. The government are in the process of investigating a longer-term solution. AFAN are saying ultimately this should result in full replacement of the ramp in the next couple of years. A policy position wholeheartedly endorsed by the tinny, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Genuinely two lanes wide, long enough to accommodate larger boats at the end of the dry. A pontoon for safe passenger loading and unloading. Yep. A bit of earthwork embankments to reduce the risk of crocodile attack. And an 18-tier peanut gallery for observing the carnage. Um, apparently that's stock standard now. Every time, we, on that. every time we put a request in for any new right. infrastructure, it must have a peanut gallery. Yes, yes. If and it's got to do with fishing. AFAN were very keen on allocating some of the $50 million uh, rec fishing fund to that end. Good. Apparently, government were on site earlier this week, actually, to start sussing out the short-term options. Uh, repairs are likely to be significant, so they're kind of expecting when that's all locked in, there'll be some closures midweek to accommodate it. But we'll let you know about that when we know about it, and until then, uh, be cautious. Shoot it, share it, shout it! Give us a boy. G'day, my name is John Tooby. I am the Artistic Director and Chief Conductor of the Darwin Symphony Orchestra. Among my passions is fishing. And um, a few weeks ago, a good mate of mine rang up and said, uh, let's go for a fish at East Point. And I thought, oh, I love fishing at East Point. I've still not caught anything there, but I still love fishing there. So uh, we agreed to meet at 8 o'clock. I don't have a car, so I have a wonderful electric bike with a milk crate on the back that holds my tackle bag and my fishing rod perfectly. 
And so off, off I went, about, I left about seven o'clock. Yeah, so on my, on my journey, I had some beautiful new Bluetooth headphones, listening to Pink Floyd, which is my favorite. I, I'm sure I was listening to Wish You Were Here all the way. And, uh, and of course, I was in heaven. Pink Floyd going fishing at East Point with a mate. Couldn't, doesn't get any better than this. Oblivious to the drama unfolding right behind me. And got to East Point where we met. Been looking forward to this. Let's, uh, let's get going. And he looked down at my rod and reel and said, mate, you're not going to catch anything with that. And uh, where I looked myself and suddenly realised I had not even a foot of line on my fishing reel. It was stripped bare. And I was thinking, that's insane. You know, I've had it all prepped up, a nice new lure, a fancy lure on the end of my rod the night before. And, and then it occurred to me that on my way to East Point from Alawa, that my bike was struggling a little bit. And I, I couldn't quite work it out. Oblivious to it, I just kept on going. And then realised that the tip had obviously touched a branch and managed to attract my lure. And from that point, <laughs> I dragged 300 metres of line between Alloa and East Point somewhere. Which was devastating, of course, because I couldn't go fishing. Um, but also I felt terrible that I'd caused this environmental disaster and left 300 metres of mono somewhere. Anyway, we went fishing. Fortunately, uh, my friend had another a fishing rod. So we went fishing and I thought while I was fishing, I wonder where that happened and was pondering it all, all morning. We didn't catch anything. And we got, got on my bike and I thought, I'm going to find this on the way home. Got on the bike and you know, I'm going to be able to find 300 metres of line and I never found, I couldn't find it anywhere. I scoured, I literally retraced my steps, no good. There is an offshoot to all of this little disaster and that is for the first time in my life I've been spectacularly spooled, not by a fish, uh, sadly, but by a tree. I'm not sure many people have had that experience. <laughs> Spooled on Dick Ward Drive. Improbable, you may have thought. I'll think again. And of course, it's obvious why he couldn't find the line again. Another cyclist who's yet to put the fishing line on the reel, you know, with an unspooled reel, has come along and neck minute. Neck, neck, got... Hang on, neck minute? Really? Yeah. It's a bit 2020. Is it? I'm a, I'm a little or, bit behind the eight ball on these. Or things. earlier, yeah. I say stuff often from no, old nine, 90s uh, TV campaigns, you know, oh, like. Do you? Yeah, like every wet season. At least once I'll bellow out the window, Marge, Marge, the rains are here. <laughs> you know, like that ad? Yes. Hopefully, shooting a knowing look to a passerby and receiving the, the same look back at the onset of the wet season. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, now that I think about it, I'm not sure I really know that ad. It was an ad for some fried goods, I think. Was it? What about um, bees make honey and there's honey and yo-yos? Never heard of it. Aren't it's yo-yo biscuits? Doesn't exist. Cows make <laughs> milk and the milk becomes honey and there's, they're both in yo-yo biscuits? Never heard of it. I don't, I don't I can't actually apply that one to life as much as I'd like. 
you know, singing that song. It's not really applicable to the onset of the wet season or the monsoon or a knowing wink and nod to a passerby. I'm not sure where I was in that era. I think I might have been out building go-karts. Having a real life, having a real child. I did note, though, I don't know if B had meant it, but his use of Pink Floyd song. How I wish, how I wish you were here. Oh, yes, I do rate that, and I do know that, and I do remember that. But did he, did he mean to use Wish You Were Here in reference to John wishing his fishing line were there? Mm. Oh, how I, how I wish you were here. And have we found the same old fears? Wish you were here. Probably not. Red, fast and free! Presenting the Tales from the Tinny Fish Measuring Sticker! Some say it was calibrated by NASA to within a thousandth of a micron. Some say it's been printed over a billion times. Some say that these stats might be slightly exaggerated. Much like your fishing yards without a Tales from the Tinny Fish Measuring Sticker! Email fishing at abc.net.au or message the Tinny on Facebook to get yours. And from Rob, good afternoon lads. Uh, I'm an avid fisho from the central goldfields in Victoria and uh, have extensively travelled a vast section of this great nation. Hang on, I don't know the central goldfields well, but is there a correlation between where our forefathers and foremothers are dug for gold and notable Barramundi rivers? Yeah, it's a good question. So what are the tides right now in the central goldfields of Victoria? That's what I'm trying to, yeah. Yeah. And ha- how are the barra biting on the flats across the central <laughs> goldfields at this time? Maybe they pan for barra. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Rob writes and goes on to write, there are on occasions, so yeah, this, this is, that's correct, on occasion. You could pan for barra fingerlings at the Durack Lakes. Could actually. Occasionally there are times when we come across enough fish to justify a tails from the tinny get a mullet up your fish measuring sticker. Yeah. Uh, so without any photos on hand to justify, you'll just have to take the word of a fellow fisherman. <laughs> That there are barra in the goldfields. Because the word of any fisherman, of course, is 100% reliable (laughs) and truthful. Uh, The cod do grow to a size worthy of a TFT sticker. That's true, actually. Yeah, of course that's true. Not to mention the prowess and the value added to the vessel in which the TFT sticker shall be displayed. Oh, look, he's got it all down. He does. He's got it down, Pat. And I'm sure, Rob says, the addition of the sticker will undoubtedly increase my catch uh, and he'll be forever grateful. Regardless of whether you're catching, it increases the prowess of the vessel. So that's an underlying benefit. Uh, irrespective of anything else. And he makes a great point there. So if you are selling a second-hand boat, uh, particularly in the top end, mm. uh, or anywhere actually around Australia, make sure you mention that it comes with a TFT GoFast sticker. Yeah, you thought the COVID tax was going to put you know, 5 to 10% on top of your vehicle. Just a sticker puts yeah. at least 17.5%. Percent, that's right. On, to, on top of the value. Good you value. see that all the time on the Facebook ad side. Yeah, you do. And the fo- they always show the sticker in the photo. They do. Know, it's oh, normally that, the main photo in the gallery. That must be a good boat, yeah. Mm. And it's mm. had a good fishing history. Mm. That's what's going to happen to your boat, Rob. Sticker is on the way. One of them um, insisted on using a hand line. It seemed to get worse from there. It's awkward. Everything was like, oh, God. There's always a backup plan on the way back into Darwin anyway, so. Tales from the Tinny. Well, fishers, everyone knows that fishing can be pretty good. You know, once you get outside that Berrima line and, and beyond past the salivating hordes of Darwin fishos and you go remote. Yes. It's like a double-edged sword, really. I mean, you, you, you don't have necessarily the beautiful waterfront coffee shop 
in the remote community. That may be a statement of the obvious, but the other side of that sword is what you do have is some of the best fishing in the world. And what you don't have is the salivating hordes of others. No, you have space. You have time and space and, and fish. It, it's, it's not just good. It's, it's unbelievable. It's, it's, what it's beautiful. Mm. It's a beautiful thing. We all know this. It's a fact we all know. And, and we all get along fine, mostly, mm. without being constantly reminded of what we're missing out on. Yes. So we don't really, we don't need that FOMO in our lives. We try to avoid it as much as possible here on the Tinny, because no one needs that FOMO of what, where I just went and how awesome it was while you're sitting at a coffee shop at Nightcliff. No, no, no quality of latte and view Outranks is, is, that, is no. a substitute for a fisher cast for nine hours. Yes, in a remote wilderness area with not one other boat in sight. Anyhow, every now and again, some little reminder comes along that just smashes that FOMO ball down and bursts through right in your face. Whether, whether we whether want it or not. Yeah, yeah. Correct. And we're going to do it again. Now, this is what I hear we're heading towards here. That's That's where we're going with this very long intro. Um, <laughs> such a reminder came in this week from Nige out at Madden Greeter. Uh, who also reminded Beard of one indisputable, infallible truth, Mm. as certain as gravity itself, Mm. that intrepid travellers the world over have forever known that weird shit goes down as soon as you get a bit remote. Hey, mate, I'm Nigel. I uh, live out at Manangrita as the town ESO and decided to go out the other day chasing some tuna. What are you doing out there? I'm the ESO, the Essential Services Officer, so I just run power and water. We've been seeing a few birds from the shore. So we went a fair, fair few k's offshore and got bugger all all day. Decided to come home early and call it quits. And uh, 200 metres from the boat ramp, we've seen a couple of birds. Thought we might jig for some small queen fish. Had me barrel rod with a little 21 gram jig on with, I think, 30 or 40 pound leader. Not quite sure. And off it went at a great knot of speed and stripped about 40, 50 metres worth of line. I thought I might have been on a metre queenie which I thought wouldn't have been too bad and battled it for about 15, 20 minutes with me mate all excited. And as we got it close to the boat, because we were in three metres of dirty water in the river mouth, uh, we noticed it was a quite a large mackerel and managed to get a gaff into it and put it on the measure mat and she went 122. How much was this skill and how much was this complete arsiness, Nige? It was a lot of finesse, I will say. I've been, I've, I've been growing the finesse quite a bit. Not just trying to skull drag them in on you and the way it was running. And once I seen it was a mackerel and knew I had no lead, like no wire trace, I um, just babied it and babied it and babied it until I got it to the boat. I had a couple of big runs which buggered it out. 122 mackerel on a 20 gram jig on a barrel rod uh, on 30 to 40 pound litre. That's, that, yeah, that's, that's no pretty good. <laughs> it, it was just your textbook hook in the corner of the mouth. Nige, did you see that, that beast that we posted on Facebook from last week, that 165? I sure did. That's what made me go out. <laughs> I want that photo. If I've got a cradle of fish, that's the photo I want. <laughs> you catch mackerel here all year round and you can go out and have you know, 20, 30 mackerel a day. You don't even got a trawler, you're just flicking there everywhere. They're all around the metre. Have you been doing much other fishing out there, man? Uh, since the tuna are in, yeah, just been going out chasing tuna. A lot of the boys are still getting quite a few barra which is quite surprising for how cold it is. I've actually also started spearfishing out here. Had a very close call of a crocodile, so I haven't been back in the water for a little while. How long is enough after you've seen a crocodile spearfishing? Well, I haven't been in the water for probably two months. Pretty ridiculously sheer amount of cold trout and bluebone that are out there. Everywhere you look, really, they're just everywhere. A lot of people have different opinions on this. Which do you rate more highly, bluebone or coral trout? 
Oh, crispy skin coral trout. Tough choice there, uh, yeah. Nige. Spoiled for selection. Well, congratulations on the mackerel. Biggest mackerel I've ever got. Spent days chasing them and getting nothing. And to fluke one like that, right out the front of the boat ramp in dirty river water. What's the lesson here, Nige? You, you never know what's going to swim by? Oh, usually you do know what's going to swim by. You know, it's pretty pretty easy fishing out here. You know what you're going to target and what you're going to get there when you're going for small trevally and you get a big mackerel as bycatch. As I say, just manning greeter things. Things like that happen out here all the time. You never know what's going to happen in greeter. No. Catching jewies in places you shouldn't. Like where? Catching, oh, just off like a little rocky bank in half a metre of water. <laughs> Just trying to throw a little soft plastic around for a barrow and look, you get a big jewfish. Too many lemon sharks. <laughs> You're always catching those. Man and greeter. Man and greeter. Yeah. That with all the pigs that walk around town and the cows. Mate, I've had a crocodile stalking me for the last couple of weeks. Been walking my dog along the beach and I've had this one crocodile coming in every time. Time for a new a new dog walking route? Oh, I just keep an eye on it, you know. There's, there's a couple there like... They're, they're always here. You, you go when I first got here, you, you'd get in the boat ramp first thing in the morning and you got to shoot the crocodile off the boat ramp. There's always stuff going on from the cows chasing people around town to dogs and pigs just fighting in the street. Oh, just, Everyone, yeah, just standard man and greeter things. Just man and greeter things, yeah. <laughs> but I've been out here three years. I was a homelands coordinator before that. I worked on all the homelands. It's crazy, the barra fishing. There's a little place which is if you go there and don't catch 90 barra in two, three hours, it's a bad day. This is, this is in a creek that's three metres wide and 20 metres long. Mm. You sit there with a hand line. Fishing remote in the territory. Oh, there's a lot of 100 barrow days, yeah. Not that I've had one. So, Nige, on the off chance that you come back to Darwin and, and go barra fishing, like, is that even something that you'd consider doing? No. No, I've been remote for almost 10 years now. I can't see me going back to civilization. Uh, so you've been going barra uh, and trying to get some, some, some tuna lately. Paint a picture for me about the tuna out there. Tuna, well, you don't even have to really look when they're on. You just sit there and wait because you're completely surrounded by schools and thousands. Everywhere you look, there's just birds, birds and bust-ups. Yeah, just thick. Oh, yeah, thick. You just park and wait and just throw in random directions and get them. You haven't got to chase chase the school down. They come to you. There's just so many. What's the plan this weekend? This weekend, I am going to go and do the same thing. I'm going to go out around a couple of the islands, try and get some tuna, but... I'll probably wait for high tide. I live right on the coast, so from my patio I can see if there's birds and bust-ups out the front. And if I don't get nothing out there, I'll just hang around in the river mouth and wait. Chuck 20 gram jig around. Yeah, yeah, I might actually use a white trace this time, just in case. Uh, thanks heaps, Nige. We'll catch no you down worries. the track. See ya. And we thought Groot had the weirdest stuff going down. <laughs> Maybe Matt and Greed has taken the title. We have a contender. So here's a call out to you, Fishos. If you're living in or used to live remote NT and had some messed up weird fishing experience like Niger's that can only be explained by something like the saying Man and Greeter things, can you let us know? We know that weird goes down remote, okay? And the only thing we like better than funny or useful information is weird and the territory is chock full of that. Tales from the tinny. Get a mullet up, ya. Yeah. yeah, g'day. My name's Yoris from Zakoli. Myself and a mate on Saturday night decided we'd go down to Buffalo Creek for a bit of a late night flick down towards the mouth. We didn't do all that well, but on the way back, 
we're just sort of looking in the water thinking oh, oh hang on what's that and it's there's a tackle box floating around in the water i'm thinking oh gee some poor bugger's left his box down here and it's got washed in as the tides come in or something and a few more steps there's another one and then another one and i'm like what the hell's going on here Yeah, Neil McCann from uh, Daily River. Yeah, we went out uh, fishing, me, Agus and uh, Matt. And we went out to Shell Bay, caught a couple of barrows, a couple of crabs. And on the way back, was waiting for the tide turn. Finally turned over. Uh, we started driving back and down out to uh, Buffalo Creek boat ramp. And then we was coming around the corner and we just seen all this uh, stuff in the water, like just heaps of crap, just uh, eskies and bloody tackle gear and all this, all this crap just sitting in the uh, water. And then we was just like, didn't see that on the way through. Hi, my name's Brian Thomas. I'm from Olagi. I'm 81 years of age. And um, I've lived in the Territory just about all my life. I went to school on Pine Creek and um, Alice Springs and Darwin. I've been, I guess I've been fishing since, well, I don't know, probably 1957 virtually. <laughs> Last Saturday, beautiful weather, uh, good tides. Early in the morning, I went uh, put the boat in at Buffalo Creek boat ramp with three of my mates from the Nightcliff Bowls Club and headed off to Mackett Creek to do a bit of fishing and crabbing. We offloaded the crab pots, did a bit of fishing. And coming back, though, unfortunately, I picked what, uh, the right-hand channel instead of the left-hand channel and we got stranded for a couple of hours. We wait for the tide to come back in. Then we went and checked our pots. We got a few, uh, about three crabs. We continued trawling for a barrow and flicking the lures. On the way back out of Mackett, uh, got up with the incoming tide, with good water. I noticed the boat was, seemed to be um, uh, very hard to get up on the plane. I put the bilge pump on and don't, don't, no water seemed to be coming out, so whether or not I had a faulty bilge pump at that stage, I'm not, not sure, but we got around to uh, the mouth of uh, Buffalo Creek and got about a uh, quarter of the way up. And one of my mates says, the motor's supposed to be that low in the water, I look behind. The boat was just about submerged at the back. By the time I tried to react, and the water just came in and the boat tipped over, and under I went. Oh, somebody's in the water. We actually seen these two old fellas in the water. We turned around, spinned around, went back up there. We all had to swim out from underneath the boat. I had one of the uh, hoods on with a mask on, and I sort of got a bit of waterboarding treatment, so I was gasping for breath, and... uh, one of my mates grabbed me and I grabbed a hold of a esky floating past and I, I was suffering from a bit of nerve damage in my leg so I had a bit of trouble swimming so you know, I had a heart valve replacement a few years ago and I felt like I was going to have a bloody heart attack. I had Robbie, Craig and uh, Jerry in the boat with me. Jerry had just had reconstruction surgery on his knee so he was pretty well buggered. My mate Robbie, he's not the fittest man around the place, and uh, Craig, he's not too bad. But, uh, you know, we forge our electrics together in the water, so, you know, floundering around the place, you can just imagine the scene. <laughs> Robbie started towing me towards the mangroves, uh, which was about 500 yards away, incoming tide. Finally got up to the mangroves, all slippery with mud. I was hyperventilating, I couldn't, I was lucky to be holding on. I just jumped straight in. We was just, uh, he was just like a stun mate. He's just He must have been in the water for a while, struggling to get out. And then we couldn't touch the bottom. There was no way. In our, uh, no way. Yeah, this is all up against the mangroves, and there's this one little one 
stick underneath water that's keeping him up because he had his legs wrapped around it. And then I'm trying to help him up to get him upright so we could stand him up and lean him back onto Brendan's boat. And, like, we're trying with all our hope. Like, he, he was a decent-sized lad. Oh, mate, I couldn't move. I, I, they actually virtually had to hop in the water and lift me up into the boat. I, I couldn't help myself. And we rolled him over, let him just rest, get a breath, and just chill out for a minute. Then we got back in, we helped the, the other old mate in, into the boat as well. We spun back, we went back to the boat ramp. And then I realised, oh, bloody hell, the, the keys to the truck and the trailer and everything in the, in the boat. Oh, I'm from Dad River, like fresh water, not really, uh, not really uh, used to the salt water because if you've seen the creeks and stuff, I swim in down in Daly River, it's uh, different to bloody up here. I would never jump into any type like creeks and stuff up here because I know the lizards. But I was thinking while I was driving back to the boat that was underwater, and I'm like, am I going to do this? It just got up to, uh, it was a peak of high tide at the time, so the boat was at least maybe five, five and a half, like it was a decent sized boat. And then all the boys was there on the top of the water, still connected to the crab pots. So I was like, oh, I'm going to follow these down and hopefully I'll get down to the bottom. So I followed down with the rope and I felt around. It wasn't that clear. It was quite murky at the time. And, you know, I did get down there and I felt around and, you, and then I finally had a glimpse of the console. And there's lures and fishing gear bloody floating all around. And I was like, oh, here we go. Yeah, I'm going to catch myself up or I'm going to get my foot stuck in the rope. I'm probably going to get caught up underwater as well. So I finally got down to the console found the bloody uh, bag, his knapsack, the waterproof bag with all the phone and his keys and the wallet and, and I'm like mucking around underwater trying to get this bag off and I'm literally forcing to rip this thing off because I couldn't get it unconnected and I finally found the clip, finally got up to surface and then I probably never got so fast out of that water, you know, I started panicking after that when I got to the surface, I'm like yeah I'm in this water now so I'm getting out of this thing. John Russo here from Offshore Boats, coming back in from our charter on uh, Saturday. Got uh, three quarters of the way down um, Buffalo Creek entrance and we found that there was a whole heap of uh, crab pots just floating in the water there. Other boats hanging around. So we asked what was going on and they'd said that um, yeah, a boat had just sunk and uh, some other guys had taken them into the ramp. And uh, yeah, when we got in, yeah, they asked us if we could go and help them. When we got there, it was actually not as deep as we thought, um, and I was able just to um, kneel down on the back with a, a long gaff and actually just gaff the kind of the top of it. Um, so then we just pulled it up from there, um, connect some ropes onto the tow points, and uh, yeah, just started dragging it back to the ramp. A lot of the actual uh, crab pots and rods and everything were still in it, uh, and managed to get up and uh, get it onto a bit of a out of the t- totally out of the water and onto a bit of a plane. Got it back to the ramp, and the plan was just to um, come in next to the ramp and then quickly keep pulling the rope so that it would stay floating to get it right up back onto the beach next to the ramp. But unfortunately, that didn't work too well because basically, as soon as we stopped, it sunk straight away. So then it was about um, yeah 30 or 40 meters off the bottom of the ramp. So then what we ended up doing was getting um, two cars and actually drag the boat back to the ramp. So yeah, we had to use the guys with winches and everything. Mate, I feel very relieved and I'm very, from the very harrowing experience, it taught me some very, very valuable lessons about uh, not being too complacent and make sure that you got all your ducks in a row as far as safety goes. Uh, and I'm alive. To drink another day. <laughs> great to live in the territory and have all these people 
help you out and bloody hop in when you needed it, you know. Can't say enough thank yous for the people, John, all the other boaties who helped me, uh, my mates in the boat who got me to safety, you know, it was great. It was really great just how many people at the ramp were helping out and volunteering their cars and winches and, um, yeah, all getting involved. Yeah, but anybody else would have done it, you know. Anybody else would have done it. If it was me, I would hope for somebody to pull up and do the same for me as well. Unbelievable the help the people gave me down that ramp. It's a territory, mate, yeah. It's a good beer after that. I needed one, that was for sure. Like, I wouldn't say I was the soberest when I jumped into the water and I was sober at the end of that, that whole bloody idea. Was, uh, yeah. And I was like, well, where's the nearest pub? Let's go. Let's get out of here. Let's get these fri oh, fish in the bloody fridge and let's go to the pub. Let's get out. So these tackle boxes, I've got them home, opened them up, cleaned everything out, dried it off, and inside one of them there's a sat-nav registration with the owner's number on it. So give him a call and say, mate, have you lost some fishing gear? He says, have I bloody what? I've got all my, my rods and everything back and I think I lost one crab pot. <laughs> but you know, like most of the gear, i got just about all my gear back, it was unbelievable. Well, guess what? I've actually got that crab pot. We took it out of his boat <laughs> when we were trying to tie it on and it's actually in my, my place still. So Brian, you didn't actually lose anything. All's well that ends well, I guess. But yeah, hey, lucky dude. Well, wasn't that an absolutely incredible yarn for shows? They were in the water for 20 minutes before someone came along. Mm. I think they sort of assumed it was hull damage from earlier, um, some sort of faulty bilge or something as yeah, well. Yeah, a lot of people from the pictures on Facebook, mm. and which you can see at ABC Tales and Virginia on Facebook, assumed because the pictures were at the ramp, once they were skull dragged back, assumed they'd just forgotten to put the bungs in at the ramp. It, it wasn't that, it was something else. No, no, it was something way more serious than that. And it is, It's uh, I know we bang on about safety never taking a holiday. You do. But I'll tell you what. It's dead right in this in this situation. Yeah, life jackets and perp handy. Yeah, That's so you can the get them. I've I've got a mate that that sunk a boat years ago, and guess where all the safety gear was? Ah, uh, it's a common story. Under the swag mm. and all the stuff they just yeah. slept out overnight on. And it's always the one. Yeah, you ain't going to get it. So you could actually have a safety. I was thinking about this um, after after hearing that story. You could have like a safety pole. So on the boat you have a pole, and off it you just have every bit of safety gear hanging. So. If the boat did sink, the pole would at least have a little bit more above water time. Have you thought this through? Not really. How would you go fly fishing? <laughs> you can't have safety getting in the way of the of the, the prime of reason. Of the wand, the, yeah. No. Of the, that your safety's aboard. All right. No, let's ditch that idea. Uh, Brian's wife told him, that's it. No more boating. <laughs> I bet she did. But Brian's told us, well, the jury's actually still out on that. So <laughs> presumably, presumably he's part of that jury. Well, presumably he <laughs> is the jury. Yes. Uh, presumably he might be out for a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wasn't it a lovely ending to the story too, that he got his mud crab pot back and got his tackle boxes back. And the take home there is uh, is just how Territorians rally when they need to. What a... What a delightful story, and glad, glad to hear you're all well and well. Everyone's all well and good, Brian. Mm. Well, that'd be it from us for another week, Fishos. Thanks to Bush Chook and Rock, to Brian, uh, to Neil, Yoris, and John. Of course, to Rowan Paddle Salisbury. 
uh, aboard whose boat those 200 horses are still paddling and making a hell of a splash. And Fish says, if you've seen 300 metres of mono uh, lost <laughs> somewhere along the vicinity of Dickwall Drive recently, do the right thing and return it to its rightful owner. Uh, he really wishes it was there again. And I don't care, just to put it on the record as we wrap it up, Andy, what you wear on your boat. The boat is a safe and personal space and it is a broad church after all. Yes, it is indeed. And thanks finally to my chest hair <laughs> for looking just like John Howard. Absolutely. There's an opportunity here too. Remember the great beard sculpting um, craze of, let's call that 2013? Yes, I do. Where the beards were sculpted into various weather patterns? Yes. You know where I'm going. I know where you're going. Why don't we learn to, uh, amongst the tinny church some sort of a chest hair impersonation competition? And you want me to kick it off by sculpting my chest hair to resemble John Howard's Well, it does, it does already, apparently. But you know the happy little hairdresser who yeah. we chatted to that time? Yeah, yeah, he might do it. Couldn't you head in there and get him to just accentuate the eyebrows by shaving a little bit underneath them and around the, the mean little nipple eyes? Yeah. All right, well, the challenge is out there too, Fishers. If you've got chest hair that looks like someone or you can craft your chest hair to look like someone, ABC Tales and the Tinny send us the photos on Facebook. And until then... Uh, we'll catch you next week. Get a hairy John Howard-looking little mullet right on up here. Go on. Go on, do that. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh.